And we are live. Welcome. All right. Welcome, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hope you had a good holidays. How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? Hopefully, hopefully better than us. It has been a bit of a bit of a ride this last week. Oh, yeah, my dude, I'm dying. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in my backup office. There is no video. Oh, there is video. We're good. Okay. We can, we can, we can. Not We're set. We're set. Time. Never mind. At I'm, I'm talking crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're sick. I'm exhausted. Let's do this. It's great. This is the only time I have it is in between my convention weekends. And of course, I got the con flu from the first one. But I'm going to be recovered in time for the second one. I've timed it out perfectly. And you can get con flu too. I can, really but I'll have antibodies. <laughs> I will be either perfect for the rest of the year, or oh god, this year I have already ruined it. But 2025, that's going to be my year. I'm just giving up now. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Design Dorks, everybody. Our special end of the year episode. We're doing things a little Absolutely. differently this time. Ah, exactly. You know, many people try to celebrate video games the year in past and whatnot. Uh, we don't care about that because we're hyper-specific in our interests and in our ability to actually talk about things and pretend that we have authority. So instead, we are going through the top 15 video game characters of this year. Indeed, indeed. We've both taken... A list of our 10 favorites. I think the list is currently made up of seven of yours, three, no, four of mine, and two that are shared between us. Something like that. That's Math. 13. That's not 15. No, seven, four, two. Seven, four, two. That's 13, honey. No, that's 15. No, you, you're not wrong. You're... Se seven <laughs> plus seven, four seven is mine. 11, plus two is 13. This is why I'm going back to school. My mental math is abysmal. <laughs> Six of mine, nine of yours, two that are shared. Honey, honey, please. I'm so confident, too. That's the worst part. Uh, you, you, you go next. I need to recover from this. That's absolutely fine. I'll know. Um, you know, I had a nice time. Had a great weekend at uh, Anime Los Angeles. Um, great con, highly would recommend uh, for anyone who would maybe want to go next year. It's a good size. It's not the kind that gave me anxiety, but the kind that I was like, oh, I can actually do things here. Nice, nice. It's always nice when the, get that nice balance. There's enough people to share the interests, but not to the point of just claustrophobia and smells. Precisely. Um... Did you have any thoughts on the Game Awards or anything? Because we're not going to be covering our usual rigmarole for this episode. We are yeah, just new, focusing new stuff, on things. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, the whole please wrap it up thing. Please wrap it up. Was so shit. Just during like Swen's acceptance thing and giving Kojima like 10 minutes at the same time when he didn't do jack shit at the same Ugh, That was the first Game Awards that really made me mad. Uh, but all right, good. Won everything. And high five no, that's all the time we have for the segment. Thank you so much for being here today. We really, really do appreciate it.
Uh, I at least appreciated Christopher Judge's Call of Duty joke. That that was fun. I enjoyed that. That was very good, and it made people legitimately upset. Which is the best kind. Exactly. You know, hope you guys are settled. Hope you guys are cozy. Um, you know, a lot of talk is going around about YouTubers retiring, but we have no common sense, so we're going to be here for a little while longer, at least. So. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Against my best judgment, I don't know how I'm going to juggle all of these priorities, but I'll, I'll do it somehow. Eh, you'll manage. I'm sure I will. It'll be fun. Alright, you want to get this thing started off proper? Oh yes, shall we? Alright. So, to everyone here who would like, we have considered between the two of us 15 characters this year that we thought were exceptional in the realm of video games. And I'm going to start this off by saying this crop significantly stronger than last year's. Oh, yeah. I feel like you'd say that about just most aspects of video games in the last year. Like, great gameplay, great stories, fantastic music. Oh, and I know, I agree, but our our top two last year was what? Um, it was DDD and Erdrick. No, not Erdrick. What, what? Erdrick, no. Or, or, Orsted. 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 Yes. Orsted, DDD, and then, like, Cruz from Xenoblade and God of War. Yeah, yeah. Which are good games, but, like... I don't think that top five cracks this year's top ten. I think God of War was... Well, no, I, I would bring a different list for God of War now that I've completed the game. I think a few of them mm -hmm. could scratch it, but I... I think maybe end of game Kratos could scratch this. I'd bring some. No one else would I give it to. Dude, Cinder Story, that was phenomenal. Well, yeah, 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 but that's you. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, okay. you go with that. <laughs> But yeah, as as much as like I love DDD and whatnot, you're you're only going to see a couple of those like little toss in um, nominations here. We don't have anyone on the level of Knuckles off of the strength of Sonic Frontiers and the Sonic oh, Two right, movie. We brought Knuckles. I forgot about that. Uh, silly. Not below. only because this was a much stronger year for writing for Sonic characters. Uh, however, there are no Sonic characters. Indeed, and just to clarify because someone's going to ask it we're talking about video game characters specifically rayman had a fantastic year but the fantastic stuff about rayman was not in the gaming realm like i fucking love captain laserhawk but the dlc for the sparks of hope i can't even remember what the name of the deal that was a bit mid yep so precisely same thing with a character like Bowser, who had an incredible year, all things considered. Mm. However, the bulk of his strength did not come from his game appearances this year. As much as I am enjoying him in Mario Wonder, finally going through it, and being like, he talks more in this than some RPGs. Cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Low bar, considering some of them. <laughs> uh... Alright, but why don't you rattle off the list of characters that we got here? Alright, so, for this year, Design Dorks officially nominates for the Best Character of the Year, Chai from Hi-Fi Rush, Luke from Street Fighter VI, Yu, the player character, from Slay the Princess, The Princess from Slay the Princess, 
Peter Parker from Spider-Man 2. Craven the Hunter from Spider-Man 2. Isaac Clark from the Dead Space remake. Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Dion Lesage from Final Fantasy 16. Astarian from Baldur's Gate 3. Will from Baldur's Gate 3. Gale of Waterdeep from Baldur's Gate 3. Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate 3. Carlock from Baldur's Gate 3. And Fake Pepino from Pizza Tower. Nice, nice. Blindingly obvious where most of my picks came from. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a fun endurance match for me and you, chat. Because we see the dark clouds on the horizon and we are the light that can either cause or ruin this perfect finale that I don't think most of you care about. But yes, we will at at times try to debate this between characters. Uh, each of us is going to go back and forth on who we would like to cut. Mm-hmm. It's going to go me and then Duke, and we will debate, and we will get very, very angry when we reach a certain point, and it will be lovely, and you will all be privy to it. Uh, your thoughts are allowed, but will they be listened to? I don't know. We will, we will see. We'll see how articulate and erudite our audience is feeling today. Exactly. So please, feel free to contribute. Feel free to have your own thoughts and whatnot. Um, I will start this off, and I will cut Fake Pepino. Really? You're, you're digging into your own list at the first? It's absolutely fine. It's okay. But you know what? I only have him on here because it is a love letter of animation as a boss fight. Have you seen this boss fight? I have not. No, I have not. Sell me on Fake Pepino's appeal. Okay, so you you know the general um, body language and idea of Pizza Tower, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, just the whole 90s cartoon aesthetic, very exaggerated, very Ren and Stimpy, very Courage the Cowardly Dog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, originally, Pizza Tower was going to be a horror game, uh, sort of styled around Courage the Cowardly Dog, really? dodging back and forth and sort of things. Um, and then it got changed into a Wario Land game because the director, McPig, was like... I would really like a Wario Land game, so I'm going to make a Wario Land game because I love Wario Land. Um, and it, you still feel the DNA of, you know, the horror aesthetics through Pepino, through his exaggerated emotions and whatnot. Um, the fourth boss of this game is Pepino versus Pepino, and it's just a mirror image of it. Mm-hmm. But when you turn around, he is this long gangly man like imagine dr eggman with lanky kong arms but dressed as an italian and his face is starting to melt oh lovely that sounds awesome 
he looks at you and he screams. And what he do is he do all of your moves, but he's kind of flopping around like an Ed, Ed, and Eddie when he runs. Okay, Except okay. like, imagine if instead of a steady run cycle that made sense for the character, it was like constantly breaking its own animation principles and his body was starting to fall apart. That sounds amazing. He then continues to do all of your moves, but he is killing himself doing it. He is literally dissolving into a cheese-like goop every time that he does things. Like when he super jumps, he makes a frog sound and he bounces onto the wall, flattens himself into a liquid, and then does it again, and then continues doing it until he is a blur. And then he rises from it and makes a ton of clones of himself that all just die when they miss you. That that's that's some delightful creepy boss shit right there. I'm really loving the sound of this. And then you clear his health bar, and then you have to kill his negative empty health bar as well as he does even stronger versions of his other attacks while the entire pizzeria that you're fighting in starts becoming more and more distorted and a worse, creepy version of It's Pizza Time starts playing as everything starts falling apart around you and then you kill him and then there's an escape sequence. All right where he has morphed himself into a giant screaming face that just oh, makes this yes. little sloshing <laughs> sound as it slowly inches its way towards you, screaming at you constantly. And then you close the door and you're like... <laughs> Solved the problem. I did it. Me. It is an amazing boss fight. Uh, it is just a boss fight, however. All right, all right. It still sounds fantastic, but... I I just want to bring it forward so that I can better sell the appeal of Pizza Tower. If I had to do its physical characterization in one thing, it would be fake Pepino. There are also excellent characters in it. Uh, Pepino himself, Pizza Head, all follow these strong animation principles. A lot of people like the noise. I do not. I hope he dies. But, yeah, I, I felt it remiss to not celebrate the animation principles of a game through characterization. And I think Fake Pepino is an incredibly strong use of that. Very nice, very nice. Okay. So you had the courtesy to cut one from your list. I think I will do the same here. Because as much as I absolutely adored how they handled him, not much really changed with Isaac Clarke in Dead Space. I brought him to this meeting of characters, well, less so for his writing, although the writing of the original Dead Space is quite fantastic. It's a great exploration of someone's mental state just slowly collapsing in a horrifying situation, just his, mm -hmm. his various hallucinations, how he... The game really sells how he's just some guy in sheer horror and he's just trying to survive. 
Uh, I wanted to bring him, though, because the biggest fear I had with this game was that they're going to kind of make him, like, the second game, more of the kind of modern Marvel quippy sort of, like, oh, that was really rough, man. Or just kind of giving light jokes, kind of bringing down the mood, with, well, which for something like Dead Space is not what you want to do. But for what little they do with him here, and I think the part of the reason it works so well is because of how little they do, is they upgraded him from a completely silent protagonist, but they still keep him in a very grounded, uh, just some guy stuck in a space station as in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. And I really appreciate the restraint there while still using those little moments to really capture who this character is and what he's going through right now. His desperation to find his girlfriend. His determination to survive when, honestly, at the point he's at, it death starts feeling more, like, appealing at that point. I don't know. Just, 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 it's not much there, but what is there is good. I was I was kind of tempted to bring, um, what's her name, Ashley from Resident Evil 4 for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't change her much, but what they did change fixed the small issues she had to make her such more more appealing character in the process. I agree. I agree. Great changes in her uh, character design as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dead Space is great, but a lot of the reasons it's great reasons it was already great. Just wanted to throw out, throw out a uh, shout-out to uh, doing, doing a... Uh, the transition from a silent protagonist to a not-silent protagonist in the correct way. Mm-hmm. All right, your turn. All righty. Um, let's see. Let's peck away at this. Um, if I was going to cut a BG3 character first, it would be Will, so. You know what, I think... Okay, so, so, brief explanation. I am currently at close to the end of Act 2 of Baldur's Gate 3. I have not beaten the game, so I don't know the full story of any of these characters. They all still Oh, so I know more life. than you. Awesome. You probably do know more than me, yes. Uh, I would agree with that, though. I think Will is the... Uh, I don't know if I call him the weakest of the bunch, but from what I've seen of his character, he's the, he, he wows me the least. He threw fully... Now you're kind of stuck. Do you do the bad things or do you piss off your patron? Yeah, that sounds like what Gale does, but less fun. No, no, no. Gale's take on the story is far more enjoyable. I am excited to see how the story handles various things with his his father, especially mm-hmm. after he becomes a demon after pissing off. His, I think her name's Mizora, his patron. Right, right, right. But I, I gotten there yet that said he's such a charming individual like will's the kind of guy that you just want to have as a friend every time he decides to pop up in a conversation or just having this little banter between the other companions i love hearing him talk so much oh i agree i think that he's a necessary part of the party dynamic because you have crazy people and also will yeah exactly (laughs) he's a He's a nice grounding rod to help the rest of the party. But, but, uh, honestly, yeah, I, if you're going to cut one of Baldur's Gate 3, I definitely agree with Will. 
Good. I would I would like to kill him here. Okay. Goodbye, Will. It goes without saying that most of the BG3 characters are fantastically written. Like, we could throw in a cat from that game and it would still <laughs> probably rank in another year. Oh, no, yeah. Like, I I think if I got to the end of the game, I'd want to put, like, Raphael, the, the demon that tries to alpha you. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Hells. Hells. Yes. He's mad. The, his voice is dripping with charisma. I could listen to him narrate anything for hours. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, chock full of fantastic characters. But they, it's almost a good thing I haven't finished the game yet. Otherwise, I probably would have brought nothing but characters from that game. Yep. Okay. Next up. So I remember watching Final Fantasy 16 uh, alongside you, watching Tarvold go through the game. Yeah. I don't remember this character at all. Uh, Bahamut. Oh! Right, it's... Tell me why he was good. Like, I, I remember enjoying the story of it, but there was never specific, like, wow, this is amazing, kind of bits from the writing. Um, the reason that I have Dion here is because I feel like he is strongest and most representative of FF16's themes, other than perhaps Clive himself, but I'm just not personally a fan of um, the sort of gruffer protagonist, sort of. Clive hits a sort of feel of your guts from Berserk, sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Level of oppression. And, like... The strongest moments of FF16's writing, I feel, come from those moments of overcoming, either overcoming or really doubling down hard on the state of the world. Like those moments where the mother looks to her child when they've had a baby who has been branded and goes, don't worry, son, we'll get you a real brother next time. Yeah, there's some moments that revolve around that kind of theme throughout that game mm -hmm. definitely rank up there for just the gut punches. Dion, I feel, goes through a very, very strong arc of struggling with trying to find the middle ground in between trying to understand people and trying to fulfill levels of familial duty and obligation and... You know, he has a lot to answer up to with his father and his own meaning of justice and whatnot in the world. Mm -hmm. And in a world where the politics and the overt racism are as pronounced as they are, mm -hmm. I feel like you really need a character to be representative of that to double down hard. And I feel like his overall resolutions for it, you, you get the full picture of him. You get him fighting against the idea of it and also accepting it and succumbing it. It's it, it's a very traditional arc in a sense, but it's built up by the entirety of the writing of FF16. It's also probably the coolest boss in the game. That's true. Yeah, definitely that one. Uh, Space Dragon is a really, really high bar to clear. Oh, yeah, just the, the, 
the amount of times I kind of felt like, okay, this is done now. They can't go any higher. And it just goes to a completely new level. Just awe-inspiring. Let's get, let's get everything Bahamut has ever been throughout the entire Final Fantasy franchise. Somehow we get to the point where killing God seems like a step down. <laughs> right. That's just correct. And like, that deserves praise. I, I'd agree with That's that. That's good. I'd agree with that. Um, I don't think he'll get much higher, but I do respect him a lot, so. No, yeah, yeah you, you sold me on that. I don't think I want to quite get rid of him. Yeah, because there, there were some great moments throughout that Final Fantasy sixteen, mm-hmm. and I really did enjoy the story. It's just... Yep. There's just so much... A bizarre game of highs and lows, that one. Like, it's either oh, doing absolutely. the coolest stuff you've ever seen, or just... You're bored to tears. Uh, okay. I love Luke. Luke is great. Give me a reason to cut him now. Okay, because he's just... Rising uppercut! I'm sorry, try again. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) See, I'm going to start saying something and he's... Rising uppercut! That that goddamn game. Sandblast. I know. I know. You're gonna grab me next, and I'm not gonna be able to get out of it. You're just gonna get me stuck in a corner. Beast mode, baby. Seconds. We're going to Memphis. He's so fun, but I I feel like a solid 33% of that enjoyment is more his voice actor and how he's embraced. Alex Lee is carrying this so hard. I know. Yes. But for Street Fighter Six, I, did you I, see the interview he did for the con that he's at this weekend? I did. He's wonderful. He's a phenomenal human being. Ingle oh, Bell. It's so nice to see someone just embrace the role they're going with. So I did not put any other SF Six characters on this list, even though I feel like I very well could have, because Luke is. Everything that SF6 has done for the series to me. Like, do you remember Luke at all from Street Fighter V? I remember his hair, and that's literally it. People hated him. Hated that character. Loathed him. Mm. Thought he simplified the game state, made it boring to play, thought he was ugly as hell, generic, he had a basic PMC background where it's like, uh, my dad instilled confidence in me, and now I gotta live up to my dad's expectations and find the next street fight. Does any of that sound like Luke of Street Fighter Six? Not in the slightest. Precisely. Luke is not only the change of direction that Street Fighter has taken, he is the elevation of it. I know a lot of people would attribute that to Alex Lee and his memes and his ability to go, I'm Luke from Streets and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And just his ability to capture that. But that character, that ability, that fan base was created organically from that, from that energy. 
Like that is a transference of character that only him as the actor being able to make acting choices in the booth would be able to make. And from a gameplay identity perspective, I think that there is one character in this list that is stronger than Luke. I, I hope it's the same character I'm thinking of, but we'll, we'll get to that character later. Yes. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I feel like that kind of infectious energy has seeped through just the entirety of Street Fighter, both its cast, its writing, its visual style, its music. There mm -hmm. is just a vibe throughout that whole game, and I do feel like Luke is a nice poster boy of just bringing that vibe forward to the table. I think he was the perfect character to choose as the poster boy for this new direction. He is on the box, and people don't hate it anymore. Yeah, with this stupid-ass pose, too, and that facial expression. But it, but it fits him. It fits him so well. Those moments of just... Gifting him what? What was the name of the horror game? It, it's the Resident Evil. 7. Yes, the the RE8 parody. And he panics because he doesn't want to refuse the gift, but he's also absolutely terrified of horror games. But okay, sure, he's, he's gonna play it. He's... I'll do it just just a little for you, for you, buddy, for yeah, you. Yeah, he's so adorable. Ah, uh, I, I I think what's I must say brings him down because I, I think every character from this point forward is just 10 out of 10 phenomenal casting choices. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's just that Street Fighter 6 isn't as ambitious with its character writing. It like presents a super strong like character archetype, but it kind of is what you'd expect with that character archetype, if that makes any sense. No. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, I disagree with you. <laughs> If that's what you expect, absolutely not. Look at where it's taken jury this year. No, I know, but I, I feel like... She that's... used to be step on me, and now she's like, haha, look at the stinky gremlin. Well, yeah, but I she's can still fix also her. step on me. <laughs> well, yes, she is, but with the under... But there's a different form of appeal. You're taking different steps to get there. I know, I, I, I think I attribute that strength more to the direction of Street Fighter Six rather than the individual characters, I guess. Oh, but that's, Bro, that's Luke changed so his public perception on the internet. Well, Do yes, you know how hard that is? I barely knew anything about Luke from Street Fighter V before his Street And Fighter if you knew appearance. anything, it was that he's ugly and bad, and people hate him. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I would attribute that to like a complete shift of public perception that was more that was more just like okay the, the the character got out of early access and is ready to be shown to the world now no they released him as a full character no, yeah, i get that it was like a preview done. of the future of street fighter and whatnot but like he got as much release as any other street fighter 5 character oh yeah 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 like, there is as much on Luke SF5 as there is on G. And I love G. Yes, but I wouldn't attribute that evolution solely to Luke. Like, the reason that Street Fighter VI took off as much as it did was because of everything about it. It was the visual style. It was the music. It was... Well, yeah, but how many fans does Lily have? Well, yes, but now, how like, many fans does Luke have comparatively? That's right, baby. 
you, you can't take the one bad character design when everybody else on the cast is just tens out of tens out of tens out of tens. Well, I am just saying, you in spite Marissa. of everything, I think Manon. Luke is. I think Luke is somehow stronger than Kimberly. Yeah, but you got also like the whole entire meme narrative around Ken losing the kids and his new hobo design. Exactly. You remember you have, Boom you divorced? Oh, sorry. Boom still married? That was Luke. I, I might just be arguing semantics of just, like, because I feel like the entirety of the picture of Street Fighter VI is so strong, but I, 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 I'm not quite fond of attributing that to an individual character over any other, because I do feel like they all are really, really strong. I do as well, except for Luke, who is clearly the reason. No one has leaned into it half as hard. I love Manal. She was so close to getting on this list because I'm like, you made me feel good as a grappler again. That hasn't happened in almost 10 years. Not even Potemkin did that. Uh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll probably toss Luke under the bus soon, but I'll, I'll let him survive a little bit longer. The only other one... I'm like, it's really the pair of them. I enjoyed what I watched of Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. I think, but comparatively to, like, all the other characters and stories of this year, I think it was fine. I think it was good. It was, it was, a, it was a fun story, but... But this might just be also just the unsettling aspect of changing all of the faces so when the characters don't look quite right compared to what I initially got emotionally invested with with the first stories game story. Yeah, I get you, I get you. Which was phenomenal. Like, if we're, we're talking mm -hmm. Spider-Man 1 here, I usually get two or three characters into the top ten. I think of the three I've talked about, the other one on the chopping block for me is Peter. Okay, I can let him go. Okay, okay. So I, I did really enjoy Peter's story throughout Spider-Man 2. I feel like he got, he's, him apart from the other character we have, was the one that got a complete story. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2 was definitely, as this is confirmed actually, was a game where a lot was left on the chopping block. The, the voice actor for Venom said they only used like 10% of his vocal recordings. That sounds right. Yeah, which is insane to me. But Peter's story was mostly, like the heavier emotional beats were more heavily centered on the front end of the story, which is where I feel like the game's narrative was the most cohesive, like going from beat to beat to beat, and I feel like they were fully fleshing out what they wanted to do with the story. It wasn't until like the latter third that things get really, really rushed, but in that first half is when you have Peter with the symbiote suit. You start going through mm -hmm. his slow decline of like, oh, wow, I gotta, I gotta save my friend. Oh, oh, wow. Man, don't they, can't they see? I'm just trying to do the right thing here. Like, wh who do they think they are? Like, Harry just wants the suit back for himself. Like, gosh, I, I'm just gonna... Uh, I'll clear this. I'm, I'm gonna take this on Craven. I'm gonna kill Craven. And it's, it's a really nice devolution. That it's... 
I, I admittedly the component of comparison is the Spider-Man three movie, which is <laughs> memeable, <laughs> but I feel like it's a nice deconstruction of all the shit that Peter's going through, all the stuff like he blaming himself for May's death, he's stretching himself too thin, wanting to do uh, the foundation stuff with Harry, but also wanting to have a regular life with MJ, trying to have a job, but constantly failing because he's trying to teach Miles at the same time. Like he's breaking down. And I feel like they have a nice exploration of that psychologically with the symbiote suit slowly bringing that up, culminating in his boss fight with Miles, which, first of all, it's cool that you fight one Spider-Man as the other. Love that. Yes. But it's also just hearing him kind of break out, being like, I can't lose anybody else. Like, you, you fail for him. Yuri Lowenthal gave a fantastic performance there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yuri's performance as Peter Parker in this is fabulous. It's it's the small moments with him that I notice. Just mm-hmm. those moments of okay, I I guess I I guess I won't. Okay. Uh, anyway, like it's so rare for me to sympathize with Peter Parker in the sense of him being an outsider. But doing it because of, like, a stronger social pressure. I know that, like, the Tom Holland version gets there with a lot of people, but that's a little too much Michael Sarah for me. It's <laughs> a good way of like, putting it. <laughs> it feels like Tom Holland's Spider-Man cannot get through a conversation without having a panic attack. Uh, Peter Parker sounds like he's trying very hard at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's just... He's being stretched too thin. Yeah. And I love how the game handles that. The the amount of stress... The, the idea of anxiety coming from stress rather than anxiety being an overwhelming character trait is something that exists within this version of Spider-Man, I think, the best. And I, I appreciate this version of Peter a lot just because it's nice to have one where he's struggling with having a nice family life or a life with his gay best friend, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. His boss fight against the symbioted MJ as well. Just that really enjoyable dynamic of like the symbiote bringing out. God, she gets conflict. one good moment in this game and it's so good. And then the rest of the game. Yeah. Gosh, I, I feel like you can say that about most of the characters. Like, gosh, I love this version of Miles. It feels like every story he has, there's like three important scenes missing. And it'd be perfect. I know. And also they ruin him visually at the end because of the Adidas deal, <laughs> which is so the t- wrong company to... <laughs> that... I don't know shit about New York. And I know that's the wrong company to assign to that character. Oh... If we were doing a worst list, I might put Miles on just for how much of a train wreck that was. Uh, I feel like Venom could have been amazing, but they rushed it so hard. But Peter... Yeah, but there are so many good good concepts. There's so many. God, it's Web of Shadows all over again. It's so so great. Just having that around the same time as the Across the Spider-Verse is just sweeping the board on all accounts it, it's it's a, it's an unfortunate point of comparison and it brings down the rest of this because of it mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i enjoyed the story of this game peter parker 
But like, mm. I, I, I can't. I left it feeling like it could have been better, and that's not something I want to be feeling when I'm leaving the story. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so Peter's at twelve. Who's who's the next one you want to throw? Oh, Dion can go now. That's fine. Oh, okay, good, good. Got <laughs> yeah. a little higher. Yeah. Bit of another game where I feel like, oh, you have some great ideas, and you really pull them off in a couple of areas, but. Absolutely, I want to highlight that one hundred percent. Streamline the design of these ideas next time around. Uh, okay, I didn't. I didn't expect to. Well, we yeah, go, go for we, it. We get. You okay with getting Luke at ten? Top ten character. I. Mm, he could be single digits though. <laughs> Who can I argue him over? I want to see how far I can push it because I really like Luke. Well, no, yeah, I love Luke too. Well, um, I just want good things for him. Uh, I know the reputation of Yakuza. I don't want to. Th- Not now. No, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Like, just, I haven't played the game. I barely know anything about it. I still want to hold on. And from what you've described of Slay the Princess, I also, you know, I'll, I'll, I adore Carlac from Baldur's Gate Three. I think I'd be willing to part with her here because she is a fantastic character, but her character is is quite simple as a general baseline. She is a person that has gone through just the most horrifying enslavement through it, just being forced to be a thrall of the Burning Hells, having this infernal engine placed inside her that causes her body to ignite. It's super, like, she's on fire all the time. Right. But instead of letting that draw her down, she becomes just really upbeat, outgoing. She want, she kind of communicates this inner turmoil by trying to lift other people up. But as you get through her story, you realize that all she really wants is is just a hug. She can't yeah. have that. Yeah, she's great. I she's love on her. Fire. Actually, no, I don't yeah, want to uh, give up Carlac. She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I know a spoiler that's like only a comedic spoiler. But it, it makes me want to hold on to her. Uh, and I will pull it out as needed. How far do you want to get the characters of Slay the Princess? We don't have to go through the whole discussion here, but just to get kind of like figure out where we're all lying with how far we're trying to push the riding um, games. I'm curious. What what I would like to do is sort of go through their concepts as characters. Um, to put it... Uh, Simply, I am pushing you higher than I am pushing the princess. Okay, okay. Actually, what the hell am I doing? Craven's still here, too. <laughs> I'm getting Craven. Let's go! Uh, kind of following up what we just said about just the story beats Spider-Man 2, a lot of that game feels like there were a lot of lost potentials here and there. Craven dies halfway through, which means that every idea that he had was able to be uh, seen through to fruition. And I feel like what they did with Craven in this game was fantastic. Like you're giving That's a- what I was curious about because I I've only seen bits and pieces of this game. And, and enough to be strongly familiar but not to get the full scope, you know. So I I wanted to know how it felt because with a villain who bows out halfway through, there is the chance of being overshadowed by another villain. And it's usually Venom. And in this case, it's Venom. 
it does, but I almost, I honestly feel like Craven was stronger. Like a big that, part of that's my entirely fair. It, you, they too. usually are. Is that they try to use Craven to set up Venom, but they don't spend enough time with Venom. Mm -hmm. But the setup to that point is just fantastic. Like you're given like the the basic interview, like intro to Craven. Like, oh yeah, he's the he's the big game hunter that's completely unsatisfied with just the regular prey he's getting. So he comes to New York where all these superhumans are, and like, yeah, this will give him the rush he's looking for. And it's presented as just a rush, like he's just mm -hmm. an adrenaline junkie that's like, oh, I want to. I want to become better. I want to become the strongest hunter. Take out the strongest prey. But as you learn more about him, you realize that he's dying. I can't remember if it's uh, it's if it's cancer or something like that, but his own body is failing him. Like, he wants to become the strongest hunter, but he physically can't because he is slowly atrophying. Oh, God, he's just like Walter White. <laughs> so he's, 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 he's pursuing this. Not because he wants to be the best, but because he doesn't want to die as this just bedridden, from his point of view, failure. That all just like Walter White. <laughs> it's the Walter White of Hunters. Exactly. So once he gets introduced to the symbiote suit, you just see him light up. Like, any other character would be horrified, especially since it's attached to Peter. As you're seeing this character simultaneously just embrace his inner demons and fall apart, Craven just becomes this beacon of excitement of, oh yes, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I've been dreaming of. You will give me that perfect death. And he has that taken away from him as Miles saves Peter from the symbiote. And you see Craven just crushed. He's frustrated. But then mm -hmm. Harry gets the symbiote back, becomes Venom, and just the sheer delight in Craven's voice as he just screams out, "Yes, you Harry, will be my we need last to hunt, hunt. <laughs> and I will be your first. Recognizing that he has met the true apex predator, and just mm -hmm. thanking Venom right before Venom bites off his head. Yes, I don't feel like Spider-Man Two quite lands any other character arc." But they set out to do, well, they they managed to set out everything they managed to do with Craven, and it, it that that right there is what frustrates me about the other characters because it shows that they can do fantastic things with them. They just didn't quite have the time with any of the rest of them. But just the the the, fa the facial expression that Craven has as he falls to his knees after Venom has bested him, like that that that's some solid just conveyance of emotion there. That performance the guy gives, I don't want this voice actor, but the performance he gives of just feeling like he's been blessed with this moment, like, I feel like it was maybe not the best, but definitely ranks up there from what I really enjoyed in that game. Good. Yeah, but Craven at 10. Craven at 10. Your turn again. Alrighty, let's go. Um, just so I know, rank the BG3 characters and how much you care about them. Uh, whew, for me. Of these four. For my personal tastes, Astarian is actually a fourth for me. I love Astarian. I just connected with the other three more. Uh, then it would probably be... Oh yeah, that's not going to change. Carlac at three... Gale it to Shadowheart first. That is not Lama, the I character I expected at number one, but okay. I, I, I'll, I'll explain it when we get to it. All right. 
Okay, so we're at a point where I feel like I need to explain Slay the Princess. Okay, okay, go for it. Because I'm at the point where, like, I would like to target Carlock at this point as a bow out. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Slay the Princess needs to be understood and not just my pressure of, nah, dude, trust me. It's real good. They deserve to be here. Um, so to go over again the concept of Slay the Princess, it's very simple. You're spoken to by a narrator who tells you in no uncertain terms you have to kill a princess because if you do not kill the princess, it will cause the end of the world. And if you do, then the end of the world will not happen. You then have the choice to resist in a number of ways, and every time that you resist, or what you do to resist on each permutation of it, will cause a change, because after you get your results of either the princess is dead or you are dead, then it will loop, and you will, and you will have memory of what happened. The princess will have changed based on what happened, and the narrator will be like, what the fuck are you talking? Just take the nut and kill her. Mm -hmm. what, what do you mean alternate time? No. Okay, so like, let's assume that there was an alternate timeline here. Narrator's not even on here, but I'm going to give him some props. Let's assume there was an alternate timeline here. You're still here, which means that you fucked up. So, logic dictates that this time, do it right. It's a great narrative journey in that sense. There's a lot of experimentation, and all of it is conveyed through the voice acting of Jonathan Sims, who plays yourself, all of your inner voices, and the narrator, and Nicole Goodnight, who plays the princess. And a lot of the changes taken from the character in the various routes are from Goodnight's performance. And she does a lovely, fantastic job. Um, audio editing when I played was kind of fucked up. But even so, did a great job with that. In, in, in um, what way? Was it just, like, poor mic quality or... Uh, Sonic Adventure 2. Oh! <laughs> All right. The sort of, you know how you can't hear any of Eggman's lines, but you're like, you're delivering them really well that. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Um, so just to give you like some general ideas of uh, what would happen. If you actually slay the princess and do everything, no questions asked and whatever, um, the narrator just locks you into an endless abyss room forever. And he's like, it's okay, you don't have to worry about anything. Nobody's going to die now. Everything's good. The world is safe. You're safe. We're just going to sit here and we're going to have a good ending. And then if you sit there and have a good ending, there's a little crayon drawing that says happy ending. <laughs> and you go back to the tile screen and can play again. Uh, I, from what um, you've described of this game, I, I would definitely believe you that, oh yeah, it needs to stay higher because... Out of everybody here, Slay the Princess presents the most interesting style of writing and storytelling. Just between, like, gathering different voices in your head like Pokemon or watching the evolution of the princess between your various choices. It's, mm -hmm. it's a... The, the kind of writing style that really make... Like, get your creative sparks going. 
Like just, oh, how yes. does this change in this way? How does this change in this way? If these two com- personality traits come together, what happens there? Like, uh, yeah, I want to give you just a very solid example because there is one where it's like you go over, you talk to the princess, and you're like, no, I think I'm going to slay you. I think that's in everyone's best interest if I slay you. Thanks for letting me hear you out, but uh, we're going to do this. Okay. Um, And then you go over to her, and she's like, yeah, not fucking likely. And she strangles you with her chains, and you have a fight, and you manage to score a lethal blow, but she scores a lethal blow on you. And, she, and you're lying there in a pool of your own blood, and she's like, well, damn. Shit, I didn't expect that. Anyway, I'll see you next time. And the next princess that you get is one that has devil horns, is buff, and tears out of her own chains. And is like, I am ready for round two. Let's go, buddy. (laughs) We're freaking ready. And the voice inside of you is the cheated. It is like, I should have won that. You know what? We're going to think of a new... No, no, no. Come on. Come on. Plan. Okay. So, this time, we take the knife, but we hide the knife. Okay? Or maybe maybe we throw the knife. Because, you know, we get into command grab range. That is bullshit. We can't do that. Again. Um, I chose to go in with no knife. And it's like, oh, okay, fisticuffs. That sounds like a good way to die. <laughs> I go in, I'm fighting her, get pummeled. Like, you get description of your face turning to mulch. Get back up. Because the cheated is like, nah, we can do this. We cannot accept death here. It's okay, it's okay. One more time. One more time. One more time. Uh, She beats you down again. And she's like, oh, yeah, you ready? Oh, you have so much more in you. Beats you down again. Okay, okay, you can go down now. You get up again. This isn't fun anymore. Please die. Get up again. What the hell? Stop. Like, it's visibly distressing her. Mm. Just like, oh my god, I will make this quick. And that lesson teaches her in your next loop that battle is everything. That the ability to figure out what has happened changes her. And so the next time that you go in, because you have another voice that is scared, she is now like this weird flesh puppet. And she's like, I have been waiting. She tears off her skin and reveals a princess that is made entirely out of swords. She has replaced every bit of her body with a different blade, coated herself in metal so that she is indestructible and permanent, so that she will not fall apart like you, and so that she can get the one sense of joy that she had back to her. And you run against her again and again, and the cheated is like, okay, okay, guess what? That time didn't work. We have another aspect of us. You know, maybe, maybe we should try seducing her. And then you try seducing her and it doesn't work. And then the smitten is like, and then the smitten is now a part of you. It's like, well, we could try again. And you're like, she's made of swords. Yes, the perfect woman.
And so this finale is going down every single possible aspect until you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll do it. We've learned the matchup. And that is what ends the story. That is the kind of layer and world building of Slay the Princess. That is one permutation of maybe like 15 full ones being fully voice acted, fully explored, fully commentated by yourself. That is absolutely phenomenal. Like, I again, I don't, never played it before, but the ability to be able to juggle that many different pieces of a story and still combine them in really, not, not, not just combine them in, in really good ways, but, like, keep it extremely entertaining at the same time. Like, I could, I could see myself trying, going through that again and again and again just to see what, what changes based on which voices you have at the moment. Exactly. Some brilliant storytelling. Love it. I agree. So, with that said, can I cut Carlock here? Yeah, you can cut Carlock. Okay. I, I, I do have I, to tell I you the her. one thing that they added. Was it the was it the fourth wall break or? No, no, no. It's not the fourth wall break. Oh, okay, okay. It um so, you know. For characters who are like Carlac, there is usually a meme about them smoking a giant joint. Because it's like, oh, look at the sweet character smoking a huge joint. <laughs> um, They didn't initially have epilogues for characters all set in stone and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. Uh, in post, um, there's an epilogue where you can follow Carlac to hell. Really? And she's like, yeah. And she'll go up and be like the cool action hero pose and go go on we got work to do get a giant cigar and take the biggest <laughs> rag of it in the world yes i love that so much anyway she can go now okay okay i, I'm, I just I'm okay i just need that. to let you go i i think she's absolutely adorable like some of her most like her little date that she has because she's so excited like oh yeah i can actually interact with people now this is great I'm, I, I, for my playthrough, the person that would repair her, uh, like, infernal heart died, and I am terrified of what's going to happen when I hit that point of the story, but again, mm -hmm. I, I cannot wait to see just, like, all these different ways that these characters can change, because this is another game where it's, like, all, it's less one character and more different permutations of the same character that can shift and change based on various different levels. Oh, I cannot wait to see how that ends. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's Carlac at nine. Yeah. Uh, for the people at home, we still have Chai from Hi-Fi Rush, Luke from Street Fighter VI, you and the princess, it's two separate characters, from Slay the Princess, uh, Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza's... What's the name of the game? Like a name. Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. It's very simple. Yeah, mouthful. And then Asterion, Gale, and Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate Three. Uh, okay, at this point, I want to cut Luke. He, he, he got but single digits. But it would be so funny if he got to six. It would be so funny. Oh, don't say that. That's so true, though. <laughs> he would be the Street Fighter six. Ah. <laughs> uh, curse you and your... Rising up for cut. Yeah. Thematic nature of that. God damn it. That's so true. This is the real beast mode, baby. Number six is in Memphis. Oh, is there anybody else? 
I, I'm not putting Chai underneath Luke. Not a, not a chance. Uh, you've honestly built it up to a point that I could probably put a Sterian under Luke. I don't think you would willingly do I that. wouldn't put a Sterian over Luke. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that in a million years. Ah, uh, would you put I'll either fucking love of that the creep. Slay the Princess characters underneath Luke? Explaining why or why not would involve a spoiler. Hmm. As to the nature of Slay the Princess. Can you just give a yes or no? Just out of curiosity? Would I put them... Mm. Either of them. Like, do either of them rank under Luke for you? I think they're better characters, but I like Luke more. Okay, okay. That's kind of feeling about how I'm feeling about a lot of these. Like, you're really selling me on the power of Luke as just this ambassador for just how freaking amazing everything about Street Fighter Six was. Uh, you said you were more invested in you over the princess. I am. I am. I think of these, because I don't dare touch Yakuza with what I know about that game. Could I sell Dropping the Princess at 8? Partially That's to enable the, uh, the rise of Luke I know, only six. to enable... Yes. That, that's kind of what I'm bouncing between there. Because I definitely like the three Baldur's Gate 3 characters more. And I don't... I, I don't know Yakuza, but I'm, I'm assuming that Cosmic Yuri is higher for you. I will... If you say I have to choose between them, I drop Luke in an instant. Okay. Like, without hesitation. Are we talking about uh, Kiryu or Luke in that in example? Oh, Kiryu much higher. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if it's a choice between the princess and Luke? That is a tough one, only because the character is here. Like, if it were just the princess here, I would not cut the princess. But then again, if I had to only pick one Slay the Princess character, I would pick the main character. So. Interesting. But explaining why they work requires me to explain Slay the Princess, unfortunately. I, I think I know this. I've looked this up. But oh, probably. Just toss out a spoiler warning. Yep. Well, that's fine. We're going to toss out spoiler warnings for all these. Hmm. Please consider yourself vulnerable to spoilers from Baldur's Gate 3, Slay the Princess, uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, Hi-Fi Rush, and Street Fighter Six. Because those last two are definitely very dangerous when it comes to spoiler warnings. Absolutely. All right, so the idea of Slay the Princess and what I think is utterly brilliant about it is that the princess herself is an isolated aspect of the world, and she is the aspect of change. She is the aspect that allows things to change from where they are. That is why when you kill her, you who have made a choice can no longer be part of the world, but everyone else can exist in a blissful existence of non, um, non-decision-making. Mm -hmm. 
just like the game is over the credits have rolled everything is safe um this of course includes the idea of death because death would change the idea of being alive Mm -hmm. uh you as a character on the other hand are the infinite expanse an endless now so you are the status quo of being a god of no purpose and no existence other than to tell other things that they can happen Okay, okay. And you don't know that. Is and the narrator is just like a dude who let it happen is like and I made this so that like I could guide you and you would do the thing. But like I can't do anything. So your decision is ultimately whether to entirely embrace the princess, embrace the idea of things being allowed to change, the world being allowed to change and everything. Embrace the ideals of the narrator where it's like, everyone is safe. What are you talking about? Life is perfect. It's a happily ever after. Or to find the humanity within yourself and your aspects and everything that you have caused and found that are just small fragments of you. And use that to connect with uh, the princess, with the character behind it, not the concept. (coughs) And that's kind of hard to argue. I really like when you hit buttons and go rising uppercut. <laughs> but on the other hand, I really like hitting buttons and going rising uppercut. Yeah, what is more valuable? These super in-depth metaphysical concepts intermingling with each other. Or a mod that just hasn't shot Christmas, 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 time. Christmas. Every time he uses his sign I'll get it down on Christmas. I love that that exists so much. Happy New Year. <laughs> I think, as much as I adore the thematic elements of having Lucas at six, I do think I love the skill. And the ingenuity of Slay the Princess is a lot writing that I would drop Luke here. Fine. Fine. Fine, I'll do it. I'll do it, but I need you to know that I was very, very brave. (laughs) Right, post the uh, spoiler warning over. In the chat. All right. Seven characters left. Your turn. No, that was my turn. Oh, was you did it yourself? Did I do it myself? Hang on. No, that that was me. That was me me choosing between Luke and the princess. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, we can kill the princess now. (laughs) Please slay the princess. That's cool. After all that. Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs) One more. Okay, that's 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 six. Yeah, she, it it feels right. Anyway, now we can uh, put Luke back. We could just have Luke twice. What? Uh, okay, who is number eight? Who is number seven? What Luke is, is number? Luke is number seven. The princess. 
or sorry, Luke is number eight. The princess is number seven. Left is Chai, you, okay, Asterian, okay. Gale, Shadowheart, Kyrdiu. That, that, that's, that was, that's what I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, that just threw me for a loop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So Chai, you, and the three, Baldur's Gate three. No, sorry. Cosmos there too. Um... Since you're so gracious to kill the princess, I feel like I should, uh, like, sacrifice one of my Baldur's Gate 3 babies. But the one I would do is probably Asterion. The other two I will fight you on that one. I, I know, I will I fight know. you so hard. And I do think, because I, th I think the biggest reason I feel that is that I have not gotten to uh, what I, I, I know a general sense of what happens with Asterion. I, like, I've seen a short clip of what I assume is one of his endings, where he's just backing away from the sun as if it's starting to burn him again. And I can only imagine just how awful that would feel if that moment is what I think it is. I also know rough elements of what his relationship is with Casador, his vampire patron. And mm -hmm. just seeing that explored, I can only imagine just how crazy this game's going to take him. But I've had much stronger connections with Gale and Shadowheart, so I think meeting in the middle here, I think I will... I, let's talk about Gale. Let's talk about Gale. I do like Gale. Hello, like, you've reached Gale of Waterdeep. Because <laughs> he... The way that they use his character just to show the fun aspects of D&D's magic system is just an absolute delight. From having him create a mirror image of himself to kind of use it as a mirror, kind of check his face for any blemishes or anything like that. The way that if he dies, he has like this pre-recorded like holographic mirror image kind of thing. Not mirror, uh, I should know Astral this. projection, astral, yeah. It's not astral projection either, but there, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there, there is a, oh my god, I can't remember the name of it. What, what, an illusion, illusion, god, I feeling as a dm there. Th that's his school of magic my guy i know i should know this this should be ingrained in my head it but really should but when he dies there's like a pre-recorded illusion just telling anyone near die like nearby being like yes hello if you are seeing this i have been killed and it is vitally imperative that this be fixed very quickly as if my body is allowed to be dead something terrible is going to happen i can't remember if he explains the whole thing about how he's got a magical bomb in his chest. Which in and of itself is also a very fun story. Yeah, yeah, beat. Like, yeah. he's yeah, good. He, he's, he presents himself as this really erudite scholar, like, oh, yes, I'm the best wizard in the world. But he also has this secret that he has to consume items. Otherwise, the magic inside of him, there's like his magical, like, black hole that absorbs and he magically... It's near, and if he doesn't feed that, it explodes, wipes out everything nearby you. Which is a game mechanic you can use in the game, which is awesome. However... That sounds like a dick thing to do. It is a very dick thing to do. But the reason that, that the big moments that launched Gale up so high on my list personally is around the point of entering the second act of the game, Gale gets visited by one of the wizards he used to know. This wizard has been sent by Gale's past patron. I, oh, what is her name? She's she's the she's the goddess of magic. Gale's past lover, who uh, granted him 
a lot of his powers who uh, he personally got this magical black hole thing in his chest because he was trying to impress her. He was trying to help her. I think her name's Mizora. Mm-hmm. I might have gotten that mixed up with Will's patron. A lot of M names in this game. There's also Minthora, who's a character companion can have. Anyway, he gets visited by this wizard who basically comes up to him and says, Hey, I know you pissed off your ex. Like, you, you tried to do this thing for her, but it was against what she wanted you to do, and now there's bad blood. But man, you can fix this. All you gotta do is go to the source of all this this nasty, evil, like, mind flare, tadpole control, this nebulous, absolute deity. You just gotta go to where they're supposed from and take that thing inside of you and blow yourself up. If you do that, she'll forgive you. Yeah. And seeing Gale's reaction to being told that... Because he doesn't, he doesn't react with, with fear, or just like the traditional things you'd see from like, yeah, you go, you gotta go die to make this right. He immediately embraces it as like, oh, this is my purpose now. This yeah. is what I need to do. And that just tore my heart in half. Just seeing this oh one hundred percent. Who at this before this point of time has been quite cheerful. Like he's one of the uh, major sources of of brevity of humor. Like he's the one that's generally trying to pick other your companions back up when they're having like bad times throughout their stories. But seeing that facade break apart as he realizes this this mistake he's been regretting this entire time, he can fix it. And after he's fixed it, he doesn't have to regret anything anymore. It's it's that whole psychological kind of people are a lot more likely to embrace the instant quick way out that solves all their problems rather than putting in the hard work of mm-hmm. actually improving. And seeing him just kind of break down like that, like, God, that, that hit me hard. I haven't gotten to the point where he actually has to make that choice, and I imagine that's going to hit me even harder. Oh, probably. But but seeing something that serious be tackled in that sort of way, that kind of, the option of self-sacrifice, but in a very negative way, like, I, I don't want to say selfish, because it's selfish in the way of running from your problems rather than solving them. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's some deep psychological stuff, and I really, really appreciate what they tried to do with Gale in that way. Oh, no, he has been gaslit by his girl boss so hard. Harder than most men could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Toxic relationship. And I really appreciate that they had the skill and the guts to explore it yeah. in that way. They explore it even further. I, I can't wait to see There that. is some good shit waiting for you, my guy. Can't wait. And he also has, like, a cat as well. Like, you, you still have all these other fantastic things about him. But, oh, yeah. But of these three characters... Like for for what I got from Shadowheart's story, I will I will leave Gale here at number six. I'm happy with Gale at number six. All right. So now it's your turn. We're at, we're top five now. We're at top five. You want to pull up just JPEGs of our top five? Uh, oh, that'll take let's, me a second. If you, if you let's talk give, for a second. Let's get a visual element while I vamp. Okay. Just to just to help out the folks at home, so that we know who we're talking about, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, God, the Slay the Princess character is going to be hard. <laughs> Do you know that they're a freaking bird man? They're a bird man? Yeah. Didn't know that. You actually. just have like weird claws and a bird face and feathers. <laughs> okay. Fine. Uh, it is never explained. It is never brought up. You're just a weird bird man. Love it. And it's like, I think that's cool. But yes, to remind everyone, our top five characters of the year are Chai from Hi-Fi Rush, the player character from Slay the Princess, Astarian from Baldur's Gate 3, Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate 3, and Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Just rolls off the tongue, that title. It was pretty good. Okay, Pepino I... number one. Pepino didn't even make the list, my guy. <laughs> this year was stacked. We didn't have time for cruddy characters like Pepino. Only quality characters like fake Pepino. <laughs> In an all of media. Okay. Um... Also in the game, he has Shadow the Hedgehog jet boots and cigarettes that when you light them, he throws them behind him and they explode into a massive AOE bomb. Uh, before this game, he just hit people really, really hard. But they're like, you're a secret agent now? Have some virtual Spider-Man tools and also exploring cigarettes and Shadow the Hedgehog shoes. Uh, that is the baseline, and I think that lets him clear to at least top five. Uh, I will go further when necessary. All right, all right. Um, I'm willing to cut either Chai or the character from Slay the Princess at this point. Oh, right, Chai. Oh. Oh, that hurts, but it's probably the right call. I love Could Chai's performance, and like... You got him over Luke. Oh, I was always getting him over Luke. There's no way I was letting Luke. Ch Chai does everything I love about Luke, but he does it so much better. Like the way that I wouldn't he say so much better. I would say a little better. Every single character in the game and improves. Oh yes, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm not doing this to belittle Chai at all. Chai's great. Like the writing of that character is what makes the game. Also, Robbie Damon's performance. Like, God damn. Oh, Robbie Damon's is, performance is, is, is incredible. Is that the best performance by him? Does that does that eke out over Goro Ketchy for you? No. But it can be second. Uh, maybe third under Pinstripe Poodaroo from Crash Team Racing Nitro Field. Jury's out on that one, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Robbie Damon has the explicit problem of I like every single choice this voice actor is making. I wonder who it is. It's Robbie Damon again. Okay. I, this I, is I, par for the course for him. I do think this is the right call. How do, how do I visually represent the character from Slay the Princess? Just put put like a bird. <laughs> Just a raven. <laughs> raven PNG. Safe image. <laughs> sure, this works. No, it's perfect. All right, but in that case, let's just talk about Shy for a bit. 
let's he, please. He got to where he should be. It's time to say goodbye. But wow, what a just fantastic character. Because on one hand, you've got the lovable goofball that just immediately captures the heart, your heart the second he starts talking. Like, he, he's such a little ball of energy. He's so stupid, but he's so earnest in every little action he tries to take. But even then, with like, within like his first three minutes of interacting with him, you get that, this really, really warm, like almost kind of heartbreaking aspect of his character. The entire reason he's coming to Vandalay Studios? Enterprise? The company. Vandalay, yeah. The, the, the campus, yes. he's coming here is because he really wants to be a rock star, but he's got his arm in a sling. And just immediately, your heart just goes out to this character, who is so earnest, so passionate about his dream, but physically can't pursue it, so he's come here, desperate for his chance to pursue it. That's okay, he also can't mentally or talent-wise pursue it. <laughs> exactly! And you just, you just immediately start rooting for the guy. You're just immediately captured by him. Just, oh my god, I want this character to get everything he's working towards. And I, I don't think any other character on this list has such a strong first impression as Chai. And there's some really strong first impressions on this list. Yeah. Then you start exploring just all of his, just his lovable interactions, both with his opponents and his friends. And he's the kind of character that doesn't really, like, change or grow throughout the story. The Chai that you see at the end is very much still a lot of the same Chai at the start. But he's the kind of yeah. character whose effect that he has on other characters is what it propels the story. It's why... Well, not why, it's one of the many reasons that Hi-Fi Rush is so great. Just seeing Peppermint being this jaded loner that slowly starts to appreciate Chai as a best friend and, like, really come out of her shell because of that. Seeing him instill Macaron with so much confidence, seeing him bring Corsica over and help her realize that she's doing the wrong thing. It's a, it's a oh very Oh my god, Luffy that, that Corsica sequence is the funniest shit in it's the world. so amazing! <laughs> Fantastic boss fight, but then ending that off with just the fact that you have the quick time event to catch her after you beat her, you can just miss that quick time event, and the rest of the cast will just berate Travis. Come on, Chai, you just. It was the quick time Oh, yes, event. and then you right hit there. her head on every obstacle on the way out. Like... <laughs> if anybody's ever tried to carry someone, just that initial, just, oh, god damn it, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Just doing that repeatedly, but she's already unconscious, and he tries to be so careful going through that last door, checking all sides. Okay, we're good. We're good. And then the door just slams on her anyway. Mm hmm Impeccable comedic timing throughout the No, no, no. Du dude is, like, the peak of Western animation haha funny. Like, this is the Philip J. Fry. This is the peak Homer Simpson. Wow, English. I don't have much more to say about him other than that. He's not the most complex character, but he's, he perfectly succeeds at every single element that his character is trying to do. 
And I love mm-hmm. him for that. Uh, you got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I, I feel like there's no shot that he could clear any of these. Like, we would not reasonably argue him over any of them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just asking more if there's anything you want to praise about him before we move on. Um, no, body language, run cycle, which was the first thing that they implemented oh. in the game, and it is the best run cycle. Indeed, just perfectly sells the concept of high fire from the moment the gameplay starts. Just you start running... And you see him running to the tone of the beat. It's like, oh yes, this is this yeah. No, is th- be this is the only character I think gameplay wise clears Luke. I would agree with that. Like, if I I had to give an individual award to it, I I would stick just best gameplay interpretation right onto Chai. Whereas Luke, I would put most improved. And I love you. <laughs> and I would kiss him goodnight. All right. I believe that was my cut. So it's your turn now. Was it? Is it mine? Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> no, that was me. Oh, that was you? Oh, shit. Yeah, no, it, that's an odd number. Your evens. I don't know what to do. Ah. Hmm. Of these four. From what you have described of Slay the Princess, I think if we're we're giving out those awards, I think that gets the reward for just most creative and inspiring form of writing. I don't... I want to respect that a little bit more. I don't have the context for Yakuza. From where I am sitting, I would start looking at Kiryu next. All right. From where I understand. So, can, can you explain it? Give me your pitch for Cosmic Fury. Yeah, very simple. Um, step right up if you want to die. Okay. <laughs> so. Kazuma Kiryu is a character that has existed in the Yakuza franchise since its inception in 2006. Since then, we have seen six games with him as the starring protagonist, not counting games like Ishin, where he is playing the role of a famous historical figure. Okay. So, like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, is a middle-of-the-ground story. Um, it is explaining what was Kiryu up to during Yakuza 7, except for the times where we saw him in Yakuza 7. Like, what was he doing when Ichiban was over there? And you get some fun things. Like, you go you go to Yokohama when Ichiban is there, and you go to a homeless camp, and they're like, oh yeah, dude, look right over there. A man is dying in that tent. It's weird bunch of people are coming in don't disturb him though he's in critical condition and you're like oh the plot it's right there Mm -hmm. and that's cool 
Uh, like a dragon guide in the man who erased his name is a very simple concept. Um, by the end of Yakuza 6, Kiryu has completely shed his identity. He is, for all intents and purposes, a disappeared man. He is... He has been better call sold. Okay, okay. Um, that said, he is very, very bad at it. Um, his alias name is Joryu. And Phenomenal. everyone calls him out on it and be like, you're Kiryu, aren't you? And he goes, no, that's not me. Kazuma Kiryu is dead. But if he were here, he would be very upset. And they're like, come on, you're Kiryu. I have never met you before. Goro Majima comes up to him and is like, I knew you were dead. I'm so happy. He's like, this is the first time we've met, but I would be happy too. <laughs> They fight together and he goes, hey, dude, I know you're going through a lot. And I know I'm like an insane psychopath, but if I can do anything, tell me. L let me help you. I like, okay, fine. I feel like we've been friends for a really long time and I could help you. And he's like, I feel like that too. Even though we've just met. I'm already loving him. <laughs> it is the funniest thing kiryu is the most unflappable character in the world um except when he sings karaoke and he gets really emotional over his good friend because you know the meme song the dame dame oh yeah oh yeah dame oh dame dame oh um he sings that to a random photograph that he has in every single game and sometimes it'll be like his family uh, sometimes it's just an empty house. Sometimes it's a dog. This isn't new. No, this is characters who have had any significant development and focusing on just the lens of 2023 alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this game, it is an NPC from Yakuza 0 called Pocket Circuit Racer. And Pocket Circuit Racer is a guy that Kiryu relentlessly defended from children calling him a virgin. Because he spends his entire time playing with slot cars and doing a slot car league. And Kiryu was like, I really love Pocket Circuit. I adore this. And he defended that man's honor by becoming really good at Pocket Circuit and showing him that there is a life that you can pursue your hobbies and your dreams, no matter what they are, no matter how small they may seem. If it matters to you, that is what matters. And I will prove it. Me, known thug Kazuma Kiryu, by being really good at slot car derby. <laughs> uh absolutely glorious um you then meet pocket circuit racer later in the game after you have sung this and you have to go through the we have never met before <laughs> i've never done this this is my first time playing pocket circuit and then now the man aged but happy content with his life having spread the good word of pocket circuit all through japan in the 30 years of the yakuza series goes that's fine would you like to race Aww. and then you race him 
and you win. And as a gift, he gives you the first pocket circuit car that he ever gave you in the series. The Golem Tiger. He goes, this was the starting machine of a man who really taught me what it meant to live. And it wasn't very good, but he spent the time. He customized it. He thought about it. He put his life on it. And you know what? It it means more to me than the world, but I I think you could use it more right now. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, like a Dragon Gaiden is just a game of that. It's just a game of Kiryu going back through all of his greatest hits, all of his demons. There is an arena mode where it's like, okay, now we are going to simulate all of the great fights that the Dragon of Dojima, Kazuma Kiryu, went through. So you have to fight like a boss gauntlet from previous games. But then there's a story beat reason because you have to fight two tigers and a shirtless guy. And after you beat him, Kiryu's like, first of all, Kiryu fought those tigers separately. That man would <laughs> never fight with tigers. He had honor. You are a shitty actor. Just full on. What's what's the name of the of the show at the end of Airbender when they see the stage performance? And just like, Ember Island Players. Ember, yeah, that's the one. Imagine that, but Ang and Zuko are in the show, and the fighting is real. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I am saying all of this right now to give you the scope of it, plus other fun side quests, like here you discovering what AI prompts are and having to fight a man because his AI told him that you should fight the next person that you see. Sure. And then Kiryu beating him up and going, well, the AI didn't work. Maybe this technology isn't maybe this technology isn't quite as reliable as we think on and we should wait for a few years. <laughs> oh god i need to play these games uh that is all i can say without spoiling the ending which is the saddest ending i have ever seen okay i y you have convinced me that he is at i from what you have described i am enjoying him so much more than well at least the character from slay the princess yeah, that's fair. I I love that character. I love that concept. It is so strong. Uh, but the only other one I would be willing to cut here is Shadowheart. I'm not willing to cut Shadowheart yet. Okay, then, yeah, that's the only one that I think. Do I recommend Yakuza Kiwami? It is a remake of Yakuza 1. And it is probably the best way to play Yakuza 1 unless you really want to see Mark Hamill as Goro Majima. But otherwise, there is no reason to play Yakuza 1 in its original form. Um, just know that it's like a shorter game. It's got jank from being a remake of the first game in the series. Uh, Zero is a better starting point. Yeah, that that's basically it. Just like if you're going to get into Yakuza, pick Zero to start with. Okay. Uh, it is your turn now. Uh, we we cut uh, Slay the Princess? Yes. All right. Good, good run. All right. Um, Cosmo, Asteria, and Shadow Art. 
Yeah, okay, okay, let's go after Shadowheart. Because okay. I have a feeling a Baldur's Gate 3 character is going to die. Probably, probably. I, I can... Alright, let me explain... Uh... Oh, no, no, let me explain to the chat for one second. Yes, Mark Hamill is in Yakuza, but only the first game when they were trying to get bigger actors to uh, promote the series. And when asked, hey, Mark, how do you feel about playing uh, Goro Majima now he's popular? He went, who? What? <laughs> Doesn't even remember doing it. I played what? <laughs> they show him a picture. They show him scenes. He goes, I didn't do this. It was like before AI, so that's not like a thing. He's like, he just, just no, no memory. Recollection. That's no amazing. recollection whatsoever. Uh, all right. Gotta love it. Mm -hmm. So, Shadowheart's my favorite character in Baldur's Gate 3. And there are okay. a variety of reasons for this. Um, first impression of the character, she is... God, do I share? No, I don't share. She is the, the, the goth girlfriend that you immediately look at and like, okay, that's the character I'm romancing first. Just just immediate first impression. She's the kind of character that you like tell her that like, oh, you're so great. And she's like, I know, but thanks for saying that. Just that kind of smugness, but in a oddly sincere way. I don't know how to quite describe that. <laughs> Humble narcissism? I don't know. Anyway, fantastic first impression. Like, like she is hilarious, confidence. Just love every word out of her mouth. Voice actress as well. Just kills her role completely. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you learn very quickly that she is a cleric of this deity known as Char, which in the D&D realm is this very evil, like, goddess of of pain and darkness, kind of goddess where, like, you have to experience pain to show your worship through her. Just very, na very, very nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. But she is a very devout member of that religion, so you, you kind of support her throughout it, being like, okay, yeah, like, this stuff you're saying is a little weird, but, like, we'll, we'll go through this. Like, you're still trying to do the right thing, it seems like. You still kind of seem like a decent person. Keep mm -hmm. going through the game, kind of keep, keep seeing various, like... Oh, idols of Shar, find remains of uh, other worshippers, kind of to progress through her story. And you start getting little hints and uh, pieces of what Shadowheart's backstory might have been. Just weird clips of memories of like, oh, here's her as a little girl. Being, like, holy symbols that aren't Shar's. It's Shar's rival, in fact. Like, what, mm -hmm. what, what's going on here? She doesn't seem to know what's... What to make of it? There's a, a little mystery going on there. Till you get to about, oh, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through Act 2, where uh, Char goes through this big gauntlet of, like, proving her worth to her deity. Like, okay, we're going through, like, the whole set of rituals. This is how you become, like, hit the next level of your devoutness. Go through mm -hmm. trials of mind, of body, of spirit, of all this kind of stuff. Ending off with her being gifted a holy spear from her deity and sent off to kill this this remaining uh, oh how do I explain this like this 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 person that's a bastion of like the holy light of her rival and she gets to this this person prepares to make the strike and the person says hey I know what's going on with you I know what's really going on with you wouldn't you like to know too. 
and you have two choices here, which your player can kind of urge Shadowheart to go in one direction or the other. She can either carry out the deed and fully embrace Char's influence, or she can toss the spear aside and start to question, like, wait, what's going on here? I want to back up a little bit here. Uh, because Char's story in this game is a story about a decent person that is stuck in a uh, fanatical organization, which resonates me extremely so. I grew up in a very okay, yeah, yeah, religious yeah, yeah, yeah. organization. I get so you. So I'm immediately seeing like a lot of mirrors of just like, oh, oh no, this is going to hit me very hard. Because I have actually played with Shadowheart through multiple paths, or at least with the first act. I've seen what how she reacts to uh, really trying to be an evil playthrough versus trying to play through as herself, or trying to mm-hmm. kind of question things. Right, And you constantly see her as this person. Like, she wants to do the right thing, but everything that she's being taught is pointing in the opposite direction. Like, for example, if you side with the goblins in the uh, first act when you're trying to clear out the druid circle and kill the tieflings there, Mm -hmm. she will do it. But after you have gone through that act and find her back at the camp, she is just drinking herself into a stupor. Just very sardonically, bitterly talking about, why are we celebrating this? Mm -hmm. There's no glory in killing children. Still having done the act, but just mentally just inside just torn apart because she doesn't know which direction she's supposed to go in Mm -hmm. and watching her make that decision to start tossing aside everything she's known and the immediate backlash of just everything that she's known crumbling around her like seeing her god disown her seeing her metal states like slowly like shatter as like she has nothing else like everything she's built on was a lie god it's just like walter white (laughs) fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) ah my god i felt that i've experienced that that hit me like that's up there with like persona 4 hanged man confidant of wow you really just went there yeah and I, I, I appreciate that immensely. I cannot wait to see how that develops further as she uh, has to start dealing with the consequences of, okay, all these people who I've been brothers and sisters with my whole life, they are now going to hate me because of the single decision that I've made. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like Shadowheart. <laughs> Just a bit. Okay, okay, okay. And that's on top of then... being the most sardonic little self-described god's favorite princess and still being mm-hmm. the most adorable, hilarious, and likable character despite having that kind of attitude. Yep. Like, imagine uh, if it... Jury was, like, lovable. And not in the, like, the kind of... Like, she she, she she is hilarious and lovable, but in a really sweet way of, like, okay, yeah, you have this personality, but you've got a heart of gold underneath there. Well, then I would like the character in the same way I like Jury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Jury because she's a fucking gremlin. <laughs> If she if she were like sympathetic, I would stop liking the character in the same way. But like, I understand what you mean that you really like this girl. Like, I get it. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh... 
just the kind of story that just resonates with you. Mm-hmm. I I would be okay with leaving her at three, just because I. The insanity of Asterion's everything, just vocal presentation, the directions his story takes. Like there's a reason well, I, he wins every single award, but from no, I, I want to argue a story. And how much of his story do you know? I know. Okay. I know the various abuses that he's dealt with, like living with Casador, like physical, mm-hmm. sexual, sexual, all of that. He has been uh, the reason that he's like this for so long is partially because he has been hurt so much by having just all these trials put on him that he doesn't really know how to act any other way Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't quite know how his stories end i've seen little bits and clips uh ending doesn't concern me do do you have more the story of how he was turned i do not have the story of how i was turned i i'm okay i think i'm okay with it being spoiled if you want to explain it Lovely, lovely. Yeah, that would be the core. I'm not intending to spoil endings, even though I think those are great. But um, so Asterion to me is I love vampire fiction. I truly do. I think that it's such a fantastic form of storytelling that came from just sort of fear and dissatisfaction with aristocracy. It's the idea of being scared of people with uh, silver tongues and the ability to manipulate you in a realm that you can't possibly understand. The, The simple idea of someone has their charisma stat too high. Oh, God, what do I do? Mm hmm. Like, I think that that creates some of the most brilliant fiction in the idea of temptation and belief and the idea of the human psyche. And Asterion, to me, is a very, very strong both celebration of and deconstruction of that concept. One of the strongest I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um. Basic idea of him being, you know, his various abuses and his ideas, the idea that he has, in a sense, been elevated as a vampire, but the one who has turned him has made him into a both a physical, sexual, and mental plaything. Mm-hmm. They are his to shape as they feel. Um, when you arrive at the site of his abuse, you will see multiple people who were also turned. And uh, some of them will go up to Astarian and go, do you remember me? And Astarian will go, yes, I remember you. And he will recount exactly how he seduced them, what he promised them, all of the honeyed words he put into their ears, what he did to ruin their lives, to bring them to their knees, to put them in the position that he was in while he was still being abused. And he will go through every bit and he will say it clinically. He will say it disassociating. He will just be gone. It will just be facts of what happened to him. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And it is you who has to sort of nudge him on how to feel sorry for that again. How do you even begin to address the trauma that you caused others, even though that you have trauma of your own? How to even start to do that? And, you know, I love the idea of, um, you know, Larian playing off of everyone being thirsty for him and giving him this horrendous background Mm -hmm. of just oh you think he's sexy yeah about that uh don't but the strongest thing is that asterian is a very easy character to romance Mm -hmm. like he is effortless yeah very very simple which is hilarious but you rejection dialogue is just some of the, it's hard to get but if you go up to the at the goblin camp wanting to romance him he's not doesn't care about you and he's he was like oh but it, it's it's not you it's me i have standards you see mm-hmm. it's just god what a charismatic yeah dude. no funniest damn character in the game on top of all this but if you manage to stay off but are like okay i'm waiting for the right moment where he's like at his lowest, where he has had to face himself, face his abuse and everything around him. You can go up to him and, you know, you can embrace him and you can give him a loving relationship. Or you can go, I think what you need is a friend. And he looks up at you and the sincerest voice goes, a friend. I don't think I've ever really had one of those before. I... I, I think I'd like that. <laughs> I think I've seen that particular clip. Just gives the and it gets the hug, and he just doesn't know how to react. Yes, to exactly. Oh, your heart goes out to him. One hundred percent, and that—that that is what strikes me: the idea of all of the concepts of a vampire's temptation, all of the ideas of a vampiric story. And destroying that for a non-sexual relationship. Destroying that for just the simple fact of, yeah, but emotionally, I care. And that is that is vampire fiction to me. That is the human heart overcoming everything that honeyed words and silver tongues can possibly offer. And that, I think, that is incredible. Now, if your personal connection goes greater than that, I understand that. That That is fine. Mm. But I do feel like this is the strongest overall package that took exactly one game to tell. I I would agree with that. Like, I, I knew bits and pieces, but the fact that he goes up to... Uh like, the various people that he has harmed in that way and just the way mm-hmm. that he interacts with them. I don't know that element of it, and that is... Yeah. I, I have so much respect for the writers over at Larry. I think they're some of the, like, in terms of the industry, I don't know if I call them the absolute best because I just don't have enough context for the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Wow! What they're the stories they're willing to tell blow my mind. I agree. Like I do have a stronger connection with Shadowheart story personally, 
But mm-hmm. I think Asterians is the most impressive, the best performed easily. Like yes, yeah. God, God damn. It. To, Th- that, to say nothing about any other performance, because all of the performances oh, no, here are incredible. Three has the best performances out of any game this year. I would I would make that claim in a heartbeat. For how much dialogue is in that game, mm-hmm. and how it is all amazing across the board, no matter how inconsequential the character is i don't know a voice director at those games but they're on another level it's yeah. insane yeah i i am okay with cutting shadow heart here i i i, I it, it feels cliche given how the rest of these award stories have gone but like Isarian is that's okay i have a fucking final boss for him <laughs> i uh would be fascinating to hear it. I don't believe you can do it, but I would love to hear this fantastic, saddest moment that could possibly put Kiryu above Asterion. Um, spoilers for everyone for Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, and the entire Yakuza series. Because here we fucking go. Um, so yeah, this uh, this reduced me to a sobbing mess. Um, so you're you're well aware that my favorite game is Persona Four. Yes, yes I am. Uh, you're well aware of the character of Nanako Dojima. Yes, yes I am. Uh, okay, great. Then you'll know where I'm going with this. Oh. Um, so, the connections that you make to other characters mean a significant deal um, in the Yakuza franchise. Kiryu is a character who has given up a significant deal. Uh, as you would expect for a crime drama, uh, love interests have died for him. Mm-hmm. Friends have died for him people who he has made very strong and very caring connections to have died left and right um and you feel that through this game there are like karaoke songs that he once sung with friends from the series who are now dead that he just has to sing alone now and have memories of the times they had um the whole game is reflective of that um Kiryu was adopted by uh, his father figure who ran an orphanage called uh, Sunshine Orphanage. So ever since Yakuza 3, Kiryu has been sort of the main contributor and backer of this orphanage. And the kids in there, they love Uncle Kaz. Mm -hmm. They love him. Like, he doesn't show up. He's very stoic a lot of the time, but he's legitimately trying to do a good thing for them. And that comes down to Kiryu's uh, bond with a character named Haruka, who is a little girl who he has protected through the entire series. And through the series, we have seen her grow up from a little girl to, like, there was, like, an idol minigame with her in her teen years in Yakuza 5. Mm-hmm. Um... We have seen this character develop and mature in real time with the series. Very Toy Story 3. 
in that sense. Um, to the point of having a baby. And in Yakuza 6, Kiryu's whole thing is that he has this baby and he's got to protect this baby. And he's going to go through hell or high water to protect this baby. Oh, my God. He's going to throw like a football across the room and catch it. <laughs> he's going to save this baby from the exploding cars all over around it. Because this baby is the one little part of his life that he can still hold on to. Because for reasons that he absolutely has no control over, he cannot be with the people that he loves. But he can save this baby and get it to where it is. And then he has to die again at the end of the game. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And just completely erase his identity. Um, he is hired by a government agency that has disappeared him, being like, okay, you got to do these couple of jobs for us. And as a reward, they will do some of the cruelest things that I've ever seen in my life, wherein they will hand him a phone and he will pick up and it will be Haruka on the other line. And she'll go, okay, hello. And he can't say anything. He's dead. And if he says a word, she is now in danger. So he just has to listen. And she go, hello? Okay, I'm hanging up now. And he has to sit there and take it. This is nothing. That was like, this is sad, but whatever. He has a scene where he reminisces about the woman that he was going to marry and the only person and how they died because of his life. And he's like, you know... She would have really loved to go to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. She said that was the perfect place to get married. Guess where the next game takes place. But final scene of the game. Um, Kiryu has done everything. He has stopped a Yakuza uprising. He has called. He has let the events of Like a Dragon happen. Mm-hmm. Which I will not spoil because those are that's a lot to explain. I have to unpack all of the Yakuza lore for that. Mm. But he is handed a tablet. And he gets to see a recording of the children that he had raised. Putting flowers on his grave. And saying their best wishes to him. Oh. And then they look to their side and they find the camera. They find the spy camera that's looking at them. And they go, start going, hey, Uncle Kaz. <laughs> no, we, we knew you weren't. No one at the orphanage believes that you're dead. Nobody there believes it. Like, come on. It's, it's okay. And then they start talking to him. They start saying how they're all grown up now. They're full adults. One is like, I, I became a firefighter because I want to save people like you. And, you know, I, I, it's it's a difficult start, but like, I'm I'm getting there. I'm going to get there. Uh, and you should see you should see. You, you remember that baby? They're they're four years old now. They're four. Like, oh, my gosh. They're they're like taking their first steps, saying their first words. I'm feeling a it's amazing. And, feeling and then dread this is a <laughs> protracted continuation of it. And Kiryu, who in every image that you've seen of him, 
is the most stoic character is sobbing in the most uncontrollable high definition way I have ever seen. Like, you know, the ugly cry where you are shaking and snot is dripping down your face. Yeah. yeah. That rendered in the highest fidelity that you can possibly get in this day and age. Like it is harrowing how strong of a cry this is. And they're like, okay, don't worry. We'll, we'll bring everyone tomorrow. And the agent informs them, yeah, you were compromised, so we had to take the camera down. But they did leave this, and he hands them a roll, and he unfurls the roll, and it is a drawing done by the baby in crayon of everyone at the orphanage, including Kiryu, done in the ugliest way possible. And Kiryu looks at it, and he goes... I missed his steps. I miss him being able to speak. It's been four years. And they're okay. They don't need me. No one ever needed me. Oh, that's hard. That's me. He is... This is a person who we have seen for 17 years, I believe, go through the worst that life can offer them, laughed and cried, and at the end of his road, he knows that people love him. He is incapable of reciprocating, and all that he has done might have not been necessary might have not been worth it and this is the kiryu that we're following into infinite wealth wait wait, hold on this is the character that in the first trailer for the game this is also the character that it's just a constant like dick joke the entire way through where he washes up nude on the beach or is that something no 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 that's ichiban okay 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 no that's ichiban No, this is the dude that in uh, the game just decides, fuck it, I don't want to do turn-based combat and just does regular Yakuza combat for a little bit as a super. It's like, it's okay, Ichiban. We'll help you find that crab. (laughs) But he's going to Hawaii because it's what his dead lover would have wanted. Jesus! And then... The credits have the gall to play Amazing Grace. (laughs) In the only time in fiction where I feel it is earned, because it comes from a place of self-loathing. Like, please understand the only reason that I think Kiryu should not win is because he might win next year. (laughs) Oh my God. That is, it's, it is paced, framed and acted to perfection. Perfection. 
based on the history of the Yakuza series, just playing through the games, is it a valid conclusion for him to make that it was all for nothing? Or is he just at the worst point of his life and being hard on himself because of that? Or is that a He is thing? at the worst point of his life, however... You know, just due to being in a criminal organization, you could say that he did the best that he possibly could and was dealt the hardest hand any man has ever been dealt. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if these kids' lives were not influenced by the Yakuza, there would be a different story. And that is the reality that he's gripping with. I, the entire time you were describing that, I just had this f rising feeling of dread. It was just like, okay, when, when when's the reveal they're dead and it was all for nothing? When is it? This is going to hurt so much. I wasn't expecting no. it not to be that and to hurt even worse than that would have. Uh-huh. God damn. It's not sad because of action. It's sad because of self-reflection. Like, the only caveats that I have to this character are, again, that it took 17 years to tell the story, and it might end in, like, a month and be even sadder. Uh, that, that's, that's the main debate going through my head right now as well. Just being like, okay, everything Asterion is and does was accomplished in a single game. Mm -hmm. But I think the emotional payoff of what you've described of Kiryu's story hits harder. That is largely yes. part of build-up throughout multiple games across many years. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, like, I can't undo the emotional impact that Toy Story 3 had on me for releasing when it did. No, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Like, th this is why I want to keep past characters who have been in other games in debates like this. And like this, I did check to see like, are other people reacting in the same way? And the reaction is like, no, yeah. <sighs> and trust me, this is hard for me to say because like a dragon, the original had a pretty fucking sad ending. And I'm like, this can't be sad. Oh my god! Like, it is not often that I will finish seeing, watching a game and go, no, I, I need a minute to no. just... I agree. I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that's happened to me in a video game. It's rare. But when it hits you, I think it hits harder than any other media form can. Mm -hmm. There's a level of investment and of being in the situation that just isn't quite there with, like, books or movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I, to be perfectly honest with where my mindset is right now, I could honestly pick either and be happy with the outcome. That's where I'm at, and that's hard. <laughs> I know. But, like, one of them has to win. Ah. Uh... Because I, because what they do is so phenomenal. Like as you said, the complete deconstruction of like the thematic elements of like classic vampire stories. 
the disassociation of historians. Like, God, the way you describe was just robotically describing all of the horrible things he's done in his life because he can't even manage to comprehend. He can't... Like, you, you, you've had, like, what is it, 50 hours of gameplay before then where he's just being the suave, like, oh, I don't care about anything because everything about this is mm -hmm. fun. I just want to kill some people. Like, oh... Uh, what, what, maybe we make a deal with that devil, or maybe we don't. I can handle it. Yeah. But then you compare that with the saddest fucking thing I've ever heard described to me in any form of media, coming from Yakuza, which, the things that you've described It's really to good! Me prior to this, in terms of what Yakuza is... I, I didn't know. Can you remember when I opened with Kiryu going, "Yeah, he has Shadow the Hedgehog shoes now." No, that my, set things on fire. You, you need to understand what you—the mental image you've built up for me of what Yakuza is—is is the goofiest horseshit that you've ever seen from gaming. It's it is just, the goofiest horseshit that yeah, you've ever I, seen. I didn't know that had also like the worst, the most. It's reduced me to a sobbing mess. Fucking hell. <laughs> It's a really good series. I think, based on what you've described, what I've experienced of Sterian, I would give it to Kiryu for two major reasons. The first one is, again, I have just never heard that level of just simultaneous emotional gut punches described like any form of media ever and i can I link it to you right after if you want i would actually no i want to play this game now i want i want to experience like i think you just push me over the over the bar i don't have time for video games but i think yakuza is just dropped up to like honestly second after polar skate i will play yakuza now because that's going to be a real big fucking time commitment i know it is not like, going to be something I can experience for a long time, but I, w I want to experience this, like, from the okay. build-up throughout the games. Th this seems wonderful enough that I want to feel this in the form it was intended. The second reason I want to give it to Kiryu is because Astarian has won literally every other... <laughs> it's, it's, and I want to share some respect to a character that hasn't been talked about as much. It's a little meta... But I feel like that those combination of those two things push it over for me to give to Kiryu over Astarian. Man, you're going to be real embarrassed when you catch up on Yakuza by next year. And we have to give it to Kiryu again. No, I, I, that's going to be so funny. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and we'll be here and we'll be like, okay, we can't possibly give it to Kiryu twice, can we? Oh, but can we, though? That would be so funny. Imagine, like, yep, our top five all time. Let's go. We got DDD, Orsted, Kiryu, Astarion, and Kiryu for a second time. <laughs> but isn't that such a Yakuza kind of ranking there? That, 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 that's... That sounds fun to me. But yeah, I feel... I it's feel your choice, so... No, no, I can't I, do anything. I... I no, I, I'm cutting a I, I think this absolutely... 
this is what, based on what I've described with multiple characters, this feels right to me. This was the second best ending I could have hoped for. The other best ending was that all four Baldur's Gate character, three characters would make the top five and just Kiryu also there. <laughs> I'm making shift things around if you want. No, 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 no. I'm so, I'm so happy with this. You like gave me exactly what I wanted in every place. No, and, and, and I feel good about this. Baldur's Gate 3 got the lion's share of the entries. Like, it's literally a third of what our list. But we got a nice variety in terms of who made the top five. And that, that, that feels good. I like it. And Chai caught top five. Luke got top ten. That, that, that was the big thing. My big things were get Luke as high as possible and get Kiryu higher than that. Nice. You succeeded in all accounts. Well done. I did. So so for those at home, listing from lowest to highest, our top 15 char- video game characters of 2023 are Fake Pepino from Pizza Tower, number 15. Isaac Clarke, The Dead Space Remake, number 14. Will from Baldur's Gate 3 at number 13. Peter Parker, Spider-Man 2 at 12. How do you say his name? Dion Lesage? Uh, Dion Lesage? Yeah. Dion Lesage yeah. from Final Fantasy 16 at 11. Craven the Hunter from Spider-Man 2 at number 10. Karlak, Baldur's Gate 3 at number 9. You, no, no, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> Luke from Street Fighter 6 at number 8. The Princess from Slay the Princess at number 7. Gale of Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate 3, number 6. Chai from Hi-Fi Rush at number 5. You, the character You, from Slay the Princess, number 4. Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate 3 at number 3. Astarian from Baldur's Gate 3 at number 2. And Kazuma Kiryu. You're going to have to say the name of the title of the game again because I've already forgotten. Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name as the greatest video game character of 2023. We did it, people. Anime is real and better than Western RPGs. Gotta <laughs> uh, love it. Suck it, Otachi fans. No Pikmin 4. It's Ochi, not Otachi. Whatever. <laughs> All right, and that is the list. What the hell are we doing for the rest of this episode? I don't know. I don't have news. I don't have anything. I don't do you have, have comments? That, do, do we have comments? Do we have people who are still viewing? Got a couple, not several, actually. View number didn't go down. How'd that happen? Because you were describing one of the greatest video game story things I've ever heard. Well, yeah, but the last time I did that, people were like, is this poetry? When I was talking about Fat uh, Fat Morgan's house. House in Fat Morgana. I don't have a bonus stage, but I will say I watched Blue Light Samurai. That is a fantastic show. Would highly recommend it. Oh, okay. No, I, I did get recommended that. Uh, when I was sick, I finished all the Better Call Saul. Nice. Ah, uh, yeah, we do that... have a couple of comments. 
All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go for it. Let's go for it. If you're still here, uh, yeah, uh, I'll do chat. We're doing comments now. Transition. Oh no, my chat just froze. That's why. Okay. Background music. I haven't felt the need to play background music for like the last 40 minutes. It's because the content's been that good. Alright, from Geekso. How long do you guys think it'll take until video game genres get super niche and hyper specific like what's already happened with music? For example, Bastion only being considered a beat em up, while composer Darren Korb considered it, considers its soundtrack acoustic frontier trip hop. We're there now? Yeah, ki kind of, yeah. Like, can you think of something that's less useful than a video game genre? <laughs> well, it's just a soul's like. There's no other description you can give it to that. This is an okay, RPG. Uh, action adventure game. I feel like this is less a question of how long it will take, and more just like how pedantic is the uh, community you're having this conversation willing to be. Right, right. Like, uh, for instance, uh, vampire survivors just um, essentially created a new genre in the past year. And for a while, we just called them vampire survivors clones, like we used to. Mm -hmm. But now we call them Bullet Heaven. And I just had an argument with Gooms where he says that's a stupid ass name because it doesn't properly flip the perspective of being the Toho boss. It's just, oh, there's a lot of bullets, but they're good. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the power fantasy. And then he went, well, yeah, but all games are power fantasies. And I went, yeah, but not in the way that it's intended. It's the swarm of bullets. It's supposed to be good. The bullets make you feel good. The what you're trying to hit is what hurts you. Therefore, it's a bullet heaven. The bullets feel good. It feels like heaven, and you're slowly growing for it. <laughs> and the only reason I'm saying this is that so all of you can continue to prove me right and go that bullet heaven is a great name for a genre. I love, I love it honestly. Like I, I love the mirroring of that. Mm -hmm. Also, not all video games are power fantasy. I play you in isolation. Oh yeah. Papers, Please is my favorite power fantasy. <laughs> uh, it also has a second part of the question, which I will continue on with because it's hilarious. Okay. Give a tier list for different kinds of rocks. I don't think you can, like, I'm not willing to go through a whole tier list, but what are some great rocks out there? Not as in the genre um... of music, as in boulders. As in characters who are boulders, or as in, like... Like the actual uh, geology rock. Uh, uh, Obsidian is pretty cool, but uh, shout-outs to uh, Sisyphus's boulder. I think that that's a really strong boulder. Really strong rock in the case of rocks. Uh, I think it beats out Geodude. Oh yeah, totally agree with that. Jade's neat. Big fan of Jade. A lot of cool things you can do with Jade. 
the the monolith from 2001 is pretty good i think that people tier it a little bit high i feel like the bone has a lot to do with the monolith's perceived strength but i think i think we can still like slot in the monolith as a solid b tier rock mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh giant soldier of stone is pretty good he's a level three but he has 2000 defense uh, Mithril from The Lord of the Rings is fantastic, but Mithril from Rings of Power is stupid and I hate it. You can put those mm-hmm. diametrically opposed on whatever tier list this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock Candy from Super Mario RPG is a really strong item, and you should respect it. Rock Candy in general is also delicious, and I love it. It's okay. Oh, that Everstone that that one girl had in Gen 4? Yeah, no, no, no. Fuck that Everstone. That's the worst stone. Bad rock. No, you're so right. You know what's so screwed up about it is that there's a trade for a Machoke in Gen 1, and that works just fine. It's the exact same thing. So the series has already told you how to do this, and now they just screw you up by being, hey, you want this Haunter? The worst! That, it's so funny, though. In retrospect, it's funny. Uh, from uh, Magic Ice, with the next one being about everyone's favorite characters, I'll ask a character-related question. What, to you, defines an anti-hero, and what makes a good anti-hero? While listing some of your favorites. To me, it's a tricky term to define because it could or not could not apply to many characters, depending on the definition, and often characters move in and out of being antiheroes. An example is Louis Pickman. Would you consider him an antihero or just a straight-up villain? Can't answer that. Haven't gotten to the end of Pikmin 4. I know he's tangentially related. Or primarily related. Probably primarily related. I don't know. Haven't finished the game. I feel that an anti-hero in a simple definition is a character that moves outside of the lessons that a story wants to teach or that would be best for the world of the story, but progresses in a way that opposes the worst outcome for the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that sense, a uh, friend of this episode of the podcast, Walter White, is a great anti-hero, in spite of being a horrible piece of shit of a person. Like, in any other story, he is the villain. He is just lucky that there is bigger villain. And there are, like, three tiers of bigger villain above him before he assimilates them as, like... Uh, now I am the biggest villain. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. For, for me, it's, it is a very hard metric to gauge. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't give it, like, an exact rubric of anything. Like, people call Deadpool an anti-hero, and that's like, okay, whatever. Sure. (laughs) Well, because he's edgy and kills people and stuff, and heroes wouldn't do that. I think the... Oh, gosh, this is... 
Like, I t- I'm trying to look up, like, examples, and I'm not even finding, like, the examples given to me I agree with being anti-heroes. No, I know, I know, I know. People will go like, oh, yeah, the anti-hero, Batman. <laughs> no, that's stupid. But I think I think that a good anti-hero will... I think a good anti-hero needs to have the ability for the audience to either question if, are they right? Like, I feel like people mistake what makes a good anti-hero and what makes a complex villain. Yeah. Because a villain with believable motivations has been very much touted as the hallmark of a good villain in the past several years. Um, I disagree with that. I think that that can be an element of a great villain and that can work very well for it. But I think that simply put a villain's purpose is to provide a strong contrast to the morals of the hero. Mm -hmm. An anti-hero fits somewhere in the middle, but still in opposition to a villain's ideas and portrayals. Whereas an anti-villain is the flip side of that, going closer to the villain's portrayals, but, like, they're nice. They're cool. Kronk's a good anti-villain. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's also difficult because oftentimes the anti-hero will often transition into being a straight-up villain. Like, I feel like <laughs> there's a solid, like, five missions of the human campaign of warcraft 3 where arthas is a really good anti-hero but he's that i agree has a slow transition into being the outright villain i agree that's the the anti-hero feels like a transitionary phase unless the character's story never ends ah gosh I'm, i'm sorry to have so much dead space right now but no it's fine Shadow the Hedgehog was really good in his first appearance. I'm seeing Kratos suggested a lot. I don't think... In in the first three games, I... I'm just straight up, like, more villain than hero. Like, I would say that there are no good people in those first three God of War games. Yeah, but once you get into the Norse stuff, he's, he's just straight up the hero. Yeah, he's just dealing with a lot of regret and whatnot. Uh, I guess, Joel? Yeah, that's what I was looking at, too. I don't don't want to say Joel, because I don't love him, but he fits the bill. Yeah, that one moment at the end of Last of Us, the first one. Yeah, that everyone knows, yeah. Gosh, I find... Neil Druckmann's so pretentious, but I do think that was a very excellently set up moral quandary of, like, who was right in this instance. No, I agree. I agree. Saul Goodman. <laughs> why is why is this the Breaking Bad theme stream? Bro, I just... <laughs> I was sick, and I watched four seasons of Better Call Saul. Ugh... <laughs> uh. Venom but I thought it would be really hero. funny if I kept it going. Depends on the story he's in. And even then, it depends on what part of the story he's in. Mm-hmm. Hey, screw all those people who told me Bowser is an anti-hero. Shut up. <laughs> or that he's best as an anti-hero. No! 
No, he's an asshole. I feel like a couple of the characters from The Boys kind of shift into that state every now and again, Butcher especially. Like, you can argue yeah. he's doing the right thing, but for fucked up reasons. I appreciate that. I don't know. I, I, I think the... I see someone suggesting Meta Knight. <laughs> when? Well, he was because he did terrorism one, one time? time? And become purely altruistic since? Meta Knight's been good after he cut down on the terrorism. You want, you want good arc of anti-hero to stray up hero? Barrett Wallace, Final Fantasy VII. Hey, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's a person doing th the right thing for the wrong reasons in the wrong way, and then a bad thing happens, and he realizes maybe I should cut it out, but not quite yet. And he's willing to ride or die on his morals until the very last second where he sees where his self-destructive path is leading and decides to fall on the right scale. That, I think, is a very solid transition of an anti-hero arc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just seeing, like, examples of, like, oh, yeah, Robin Hood is a fantastic anti-hero. Like, no, it's, that's just chaotic good. That's not the same thing. I don't know. The, the, the conclusion is it's a nebulous term that's about as useful as video game genres. Yes. All right. <coughs> there were a lot of comments that were <laughs> less asking questions and more listing off their own favorite characters. And I think given the theme of this episode, it's worth reading some of those off. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, go for it. Uh, me and Beano Nintendo says, Viola from Cassette Beasts is my favorite new character from this year. But I can't say too much about her without spoiling the plot of the game. All of the Cassette Beast party members are like that to some extent, but Violas is probably the most extreme example. No idea what Cassette Beast is, but cool. Uh, Camp the MVP brings Pepino Spaghetti. Best he's boy good. from an indie game this year. <laughs> Even without dialogue, he's super expressive and grows from nervous wreck to I'm sick of your shit and it's the greatest thing ever. Also brings Chai, because it's Chai. Chai. Everyone loves Chai. 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 Also brings up the uh, dynamic between Leon Kennedy and Ashley Williams, which it is a fantastic dynamic. Yes. Like, it's not that much different from what the original was, but in the ways it is different, it goes... It's impressive how they completely shifted it from annoying fetch quest escort mission to I'm going to protect you with every fiber of my being. And it still feels like I... the same dynamic despite doing so. I like that Leon is no longer romancing the teenager. That is also much appreciated. They are now good friends and dorks, and I love that. Yeah. Love the whole tone of that game. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. And then just throws out Peter Griffin Fortnite is funny and hilarious and is worth mentioning. I agree with that. Okay, that was funny until I saw Frieza and Cell doing all the Fortnite dances, and that was the funniest shit I've ever seen. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So Peter Griffin is no longer as funny as Final Form Frieza in his pink or his purple lipstick, lip-syncing to all of the greatest hits of today. 
and shaking he little emperor ass for all to see. Uh, Fedora1776 has a couple of them. Some of which I think are very much worth mentioning. Uh, Toshiro from Persona 5 Tactics. We yes, I... want to see the most on the list. Who looks him up. I just want to see him get the attention he deserves. Imagine Yoshida from the original Persona 5. They make him a bit younger, so we see this politician mm -hmm. growing to be a better human. That add Ward into the story, with each arc being a piece to the puzzle for the bigger picture. Also make him a loser. And what you get is one of my favorite characters to be introduced in the spin-offs. That's a tall order, because I love a majority of the spin-off characters. Like, I think that Persona has an exceptional track record at adding characters. Like, there is Sho and Marie, who are not very good, and then everyone else across the board is usually at least great. I love Zenkichi so much. I was not expecting to love him as much as I did, but holy shit, what a great character. I love Zenkichi. I love Labrys. I lo love Ray. Yeah. Uh, just going Kasumi and Maruki? God damn. Uh, mentions Rex from Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeemed. I uh, will say, fantastic glow up for the character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow, did they, <laughs> they fix him. Loves the gameplay. He's a fun character experience. It was the entire reason they picked up Xenoblade 3 again. Well, just wanted to mention him. I, 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 will, I do respect trying to... Uh, the way that Future Redeemed continued the Xenoblade story. I feel like... Monolith Soft, in general, has a bad habit of wanting to set up too much for the next game without resolving anything they're doing right now. This mm -hmm. creates this endless loop of just, okay, mystery box now, mystery box now, what's gonna happen here, what's gonna happen here? Let me feel unsatisfied with their stories moving forward. But I do still appreciate most of the narratives. Well, it's nice when they do pay it off. Oh, no, yeah, 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 I definitely agree with that. Uh, shout out to Daisy from Super Mario Wonder. It's just neat that she's getting into more stuff. Do agree with I that. like that they gave them all unique voice lines and changed most yeah. of the voice actors. I, I like what this might entail for the future of the Mario series. They're being a little... I mean, it's 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 a low bar given the precedent Mario has set, but being a bit more relaxed with how the characters are portrayed, trying out new things. I feel yeah. like Mario is a goldmine for so many storytelling opportunities. They just have a little more ambition with it. And this one is funny because of how you'll react to it, but I do kind of agree with the mention is Baraka from Mortal Kombat 1. That ain't Shang Tsung. That ain't Shang Tsung. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, but the way that the Tarkat... No, 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 you know, you can get out right now. Was, you could have said like Melina. You could have said Shang Tsung. Those are two characters that you could have said other than Baraka. And Melina would have gotten you to the same place. Like I get what you're going for. At the same time, Dan, oh no, <laughs> this is a man with cancer, but the cancer gives him bone powers. That's a really cool concept. What are we going to do? Right in the trash midway through the game? You got it! Shang <laughs> uh... was very funny in that game, though. Some of the best facial expressions were just like, okay, we're going to take this snippet and then just give it 
all the meme makers out there in the world. Mm -hmm. The smuggest face. I cannot replicate it. And that's all the character lists we've got okay, here. I do want to shout out in general uh, Alan Wake 2, which I was unable to get to oh, this year. Yeah. But especially with uh, the passing of Alex Casey slash Max Payne's actor. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that, that, that he got to get that game's honeymoon period and it was good does warm my heart. You know, best to his family. But that's an experience that I was unable to have and that's if I had experienced it, you would see Alan Wake characters on here. Probably I love the original us, game. Yeah. I love the original game. And from what I've heard that this game does, there is no shot that they don't rank well. Indeed. I've never played the first Alan Wake, but I played Control and adored that game. Mm -hmm. And just from the little bonkers snippets that I've seen from Alan Wake 2, like that, that, that game goes places. Yeah, unfortunately, you do need to play Alan Wake 1 immediately before playing it. Like, it assumes that you played Alan Wake 1 last week. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And I think with that, we'll wrap it up for this special episode of Design Dork's Gaiden. We have our character lists. We have reminisced and are now ready for whatever this next year has in store for us. Absolutely. Oh my god, Persona and Yakuza are coming out within a week. Oh, right. Of each other. I guess we could just, like, since we didn't do it during the news segments, just what are you looking forward to during this year? Those two Dating games. Those two. That's that's the big one. Um, I'm looking forward to the launch of the Donkey Kong Amusement Park in Universal Studios Japan. Because that will make me cry if I go there. <laughs> You've just actually found Elysium. It's here. It exists. Dude, I've wanted that since I was like two. I, I will break end, down shaking Donkey Kong's hand. <laughs> I think on my end, I, I really want to play Black Myth Wukong. Like, mm. It's rare to see that style of mythology brought to life through video game animation. I really want to see just how everything's translated over. Uh, Absolutely. Excited for the new Prince of Persia. Kind of similar reasons. Yeah, that looks good. I don't know if, it, really if I can justify $50 price tag, but it looks really good. And the... Or giving Ubisoft full price in general, but... And a Stormgate, the... XRTS Blizzard devs probably coming out this year. Really can't wait for that. It'll be nice to see if they can recapture that spark of Warcraft 3 and the original StarCraft. Uh, I am really looking forward to seeing how bad Skull and Bones will be. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I can't believe that game. Well, no, it has to come out. That was like the whole Singapore law. Yeah, it, legally, it needs to come out and it needs to be good. And I can't wait to see it not do one of those things. Oh, it's going to be great it's gonna be great it's gonna be great uh not video games tangentially related arcane season two probably what i'm looking forward to the uh, most this year did you hear that they're putting ambessa into league mel's mom no She's gonna oh be cool good 
just cool. But yeah. Good shit. 2024 has got some cool stuff on the horizon, and we'll be with you all through it to talk about a small fraction of that because there's too many video games coming out and not enough time to capture tackle them all. I can't wait for all of you to come back here and listen to me talk about the same goddamn Mario games that I've been talking about for the past two years. Can you guys wait for me to talk about Pokemon Puzzle League again? They will be waiting with bated breath. You'd think I would run out of things to say, but guess what, bucko? No shot. All right, but thank you all. Love you guys. Thank so you. Thank you for sticking around. We appreciate your patronage and spending the time with us to gush about all these wacky topics. Yes. We appreciate you even more if we happen to get sponsors and you still tolerate us. <laughs> we did get one offer. We uh, did get an offer. It, it wasn't, that, that's the only one I it mentioned. Wasn't for, it wasn't It was one of those, hey, we're a real person. But the what they inserted it into, like, okay, insert title of the podcast here, was Peasant's Perspective uh-huh. and not Design Dorks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Anyway, we've talked enough. See you all yep. later, guys. It's been fun.